Hello, and welcome to the Rooted in Reliability podcast, your plant performance podcast, where we dive deeper into asset management techniques and know-how. I'm your host, James Kovacic, and I will be your guide to achieving industry best practice. The Rooted in Reliability podcast is here to provide you with the insights to improve plant performance and deliver bottom line results to your organization. In case you missed the last episode, you can find the Rooted in Reliability podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and on the reliability.fm network. Don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. Now let's dive into today's topic. It's my pleasure to welcome Brandon Wheel back to the podcast. Welcome back, Brandon. Thanks, James. Thanks for having me again. It's been a while. Yep, absolutely. So you are the operations director at Iridicio. You're also the chair of the 2020 SMRP conference, which we just concluded this week. Given the challenges, I think it went pretty well. Yeah, no, it, it did. I was I was very pleased with the turnout and uh, and the presentations and how everything went. So, you know, pivoting a few months before uh, the, the conference is not an easy thing, but uh, everybody, everybody pulled together and I, I think it, it, it went well. So. Excellent. So what I wanted to talk to you about today is something we seem to see occur occasionally at clients. I'm not going to say it happens to every client, but it happens to some clients. And you coined the term, so I'm going to give you full full credit for that one. Thank you. Becoming a prisoner of their own process. All right. And I think that needs a little explanation. What do you mean by that? I I think it does. So, uh, you know, if we look at a process... Right. And why we need a process. You know, the process is uh, a, a, a series of steps or actions. Right. That's going to give us some sort of outcome at the end of that. Right. I mean, when and we're looking for, uh, you know, to reduce that the, the variation of that outcome as much as possible, whatever the process is, whether it's you know manufacturing or you're talking about business processes or or actual, you know, hardcore procedures. Right. And, and we need these processes so that everyone for the most part is doing things the same way right but then there's also this this other side of that which is you can take that to an extreme and sometimes we see uh, when we're trying to map business processes or decide how these reliability processes are going to go we see people start to what if everything to death Um, and they start to try to account for every single possible scenario within that process that they can, right? Because they've got that mindset of we want to reduce variation, so we need to spell it out to to the T. And in in doing that, you become what I call a prisoner of your own process, which is we don't allow any sort of thought or not setting ourselves up to allow any sort of thought within that process. So the the ability to um, sort of navigate that process because you can't account for every single decision. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. These processes are meant to manage the norm, not the exceptions, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I know you've seen it and we, we've both done business processing mapping before and, and you know, whether the client is very mature or immature, I, I still see this happen quite a bit, which is it's the what ifs, right? Well, what if this happens? What if that happens? What? Okay. Yep. But is and, that and, <laughs> and I think and I think part of the problem too is is as they start to map these processes, they're I don't know if they assume that the person doing the work is not gonna have any training or any background knowledge. So almost trying to make it to a point where anyone off the street can come and do it. But that's not what we want. I don't want someone that's just come off the street to do PM optimization. 
right? What I want is them to be able to walk through, is the frequency right? Is there quantitative measures in place? Is the task step written in a way that people understand what we're asking them to do? Can we clearly identify the failure modes? Those types of things, right? I don't want to get to the point where, well, if this failure mode is really this, then it's got to go to this. And if that's that, then we got to do that. that. That's too much. Yeah, you're going to have a decision tree from hell, right? It's just, it's going to be unmanageable. So, yeah, and, and you'll end up with too many boxes, too many decision trees. So, there is, I think, like you said, there's got to be some background knowledge, some training, um, some prior experience, and some, you know, exposure within the culture of that company to be able to follow that process because you can't, you can't account for every possible scenario. Agreed 100%. So, the processes are there to give us kind of here's the steps we got to do here's the questions we need to ask now some of these steps may be a little detailed and have here's the formula we're going to use and i'm okay with prescribing formulas because that's going to allow us to evaluate something consistently and if it's not working we know what we need to adjust or fix but like you said we don't need to have a thousand if then statements built into this thing where we have this decision tree that's the size of a wall yeah Um, absolutely and i think there's a difference between these processes that are sort of guiding you towards that end result, right? Which is, in, we'll talk about PMO, right? That I, I want to evaluate, like you said, for the failure modes and frequency and all this, because at the end of the day, I want to have a PM that is uh, is generating that follow-up work. We're not over PMing it or under PM. We're not over inspecting it, right? And we're not missing failures. I mean, that's... Do, do the right amount of inspections, find the right amount, right amount of follow-up work, for the lowest possible cost, right? I mean, that's kind of that end result. And I think people lose sight of that end in mind, which is, well, what are we even trying to accomplish from this task? And that will help guide a lot of your decisions, right? I mean, that, that like, how do we get to this end state helps you make those decisions. Yeah, absolutely, right? We got to understand that end state. What is the goal? What are we trying to do? And build a process to accomplish that. And and what I like saying is we this is to manage the norm. Every exception is going to have different conversations. We're going to have to look at different things potentially because of these exceptions, because of this special circumstance, whatever. But 90% of it should be able to just fly through the basic process without a lot of work. Yeah. No, I had a good example in a class I was, I was teaching. Uh, one of the guys was a, was a supervisor and we were talking about this end state of wanting to get to, to, you know, a majority of your work being planned and scheduled, right? And he said, okay, yeah, makes perfect sense uh, because that helps us, you know, minimize impact to the operations. We know all the parts are here, yada, yada, right? All those benefits of planning and scheduling. And he said, well, what if, you know, we had some opportunistic downtime and I decide to put people on that, but it wasn't on the schedule. So technically, right, it's a schedule breaker, whether that was just downtime because another piece, piece of the process failed or there's sanitation or something like that, right? So, in, you know, yes, that would count against you from a schedule compliance standpoint because it was, you know, technically a schedule breaker. It wasn't something that we, we said we were initially going to do, but does it make business sense to do that work well absolutely because if he does it during that op- opportunistic maintenance then he doesn't have to call those people in on the weekend and, and pay overtime so yeah we want to focus on okay here's the outcome but we don't want to do stupid things to, to to get there right 
And, and that's a good example of everything should be planned and scheduled, but you still have to keep that. Well, what are we really trying to accomplish out of this, which is doing the right work at the right time at the lowest possible cost. So yep. there's an example where that process map probably wouldn't cover every little bit of that, that type of scenario, but you really just need to understand what the, what the end goal is and make the best decisions possible. Yeah. So when we're trying to build these process maps and get it to that, that situation where, you know, it's managing the norm, it's not the if then tree from hell, those types of things. Um, is, is that a facilitation thing that because we're going too deep or is it certain people in the group trying to prove that they're smarter than everyone else or is it a combination of the two? What do you think is causing us to get to that point? Yeah, I think uh, facilitation is part of it. It's easier if you're a disinterested party, right? Like if I'm facilitating some of this process mapping, it's easier for me to, to kind of objectively stand back and say, hey, I think we're going too deep, right? But they're, they're in it every day. The folks that are, you know, usually mapping those processes, if you have like a cross-functional team and they're just, especially if they're just detail-oriented people, right? If they're like the engineer's engineer, I mean, they want, they're almost treating it like a math problem, right? Yep. I get, you know, or a function, right? I, I put this in, I get this out and everything in between is, is just math. Well, we're dealing with people and behaviors and a lot of variables so that that equation uh, approach to to process mapping doesn't work in those those instances. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and not only that, changing priorities in the plant on the line. Um, what was the quality of your input? So, if we're talking PMO, if you're using vendor recommendations, that's very different than if you have a PM from a RCM event and you're optimizing it. Right? There's these varying things that that impact the process so much, you can't possibly map every single detail. And that's yeah, where I think in addition to that process, we need to make sure we provide the right training, the right experience so people can use that process successfully. Yeah, I, that, that's a great one, right? It's like, it's going to be two varying levels of effort to lift up those two types of, you know, PMs that you, that you talked about, either the vendor generated or actually coming out of an RCM event. But the general questions that you're going to ask about those are going to be the same. Yep, absolutely. And, you know, we don't, like you said, you don't have to map every little itty bitty detail. There's, there's some subject matter expertise and some experience that we use with these things. The goal behind the process is to get a fairly consistent output and be able to figure out where the, where the problems or mistakes are occurring so we can fix that. Not to take the decision making and experience out of doing what we're trying to do. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, I joke. It kind of reminds me of of that uh, whole the pirates, the first pirates movie that came out, and they're talking about the uh, the the rules, right? And he, he goes, "Oh, they're kind of like they're more like guidelines, right?" And that's that's really what 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 these are is that yeah, these are guidelines to try to get us to some sort of outcome. But if you're talking about a standard operating procedure for, you know, I came out of the nuclear Navy, right, for starting up a reactor, well, that's different, right? You're, you're doing things a certain way for certain, for certain reasons. They've got to be in step. Uh, there is no deviation from the process. And if the conditions don't match what's going on, then you stop. You don't uh, improvise, right? Whereas a lot of these business processes, like especially around work management, just because of the complexity of, of the, the typical 
operation is that you've got to allow people to make decisions, but, and the, the process is really just a framework for the big steps that need to take place to get you to that end result, which is, you know, doing the most work that you possibly can for the you know, least expense that you can within that given window of opportunity. This podcast is brought to you by Iridicio. Be sure to check out iridicio.com for a free copy of their ebook, A Smarter Way of Preventative Maintenance. This ebook will allow you to review your current maintenance program and eliminate the non-value added work you're doing, which is most likely causing you more downtime than it is preventing. www.iridicio.com for those that are kind of building these processes from the beginning. So, you know, they've done their current state, they figured all the problems, they're building their future state. How do they know when good is good enough to move on? Because that's the other thing I see of being a prisoner within your own processes. You're trying to get it perfect. How do we know when good is good enough and we can go try it, pilot it, see if it even works whatsoever? Yeah, it's there's it, a little bit, I guess, of a gut feel to it. But I mean, once you've gotten your your SMEs to at least sign off on a majority of it, right, that are involved in mapping the process. And then you can go get some outside uh, expertise to take a look at it, right? And they may find a few things and, and, uh, and you know, get find those somewhat disinterested third parties, right, to out, outside of the focus team, or, you know, if you've got like a consultant or something that's helping you and have them look at it, right, give you some feedback, and then go do it. Because you, it's just like a job plan, right? It'll never be perfect. It'll never cover every little detail. But until you go trial it, go pilot it, go run it, that will help you point out more of the, the goods and the bads than, you know, while it sits on paper, right? Because we could, we could what if that thing to death on paper. Absolutely. We want to get it out, try it, figure out what works. I can't remember who said it, but there's that quote, fail fast, right? Let's fail fast. Let's figure out what worked, what didn't, revise it and improve it and move on with it. Um, we can what if it forever. And I've seen that occur where it's a basic process. Groups have been working on for four weeks and they're still not done. We should have done at least four or eight processes by now. We're still f- focused on the one, right? So <laughs> let's, let's get a map. Let's try it. We can improve. That's why we do pilots. That's why we test, right? I think that's critical is being able to say good is good enough. Let's give it a try. We don't want it if then it to death. And then we can go from there. Now, you know, I think we talked about it a little bit earlier, but once we have that process in place, whether it's, you know, the initial pilot one or the draft one, can we just hand that out or do we actually got to train people on what it is and how it works? No, you, I mean, you definitely have to train people. Even typically, even a super detailed procedure that is just absolutely spelled out. You, you typically have to have some sort of background knowledge on that thing, as well as, you know, training and having somebody walk you through it. <clears throat> it's, it's tough to really just hand somebody a piece of paper on something they've never done before, especially if they don't have any background on it whatsoever and expect them to execute it perfectly. Right. So I, I think that's unreasonable to, to not have some guidance coaching that goes with that document you know, in addition to just kind of the basic training. All right. So it's not best practice then to send this out via email and say, you've been trained now, go to her. Right. You looked at a PowerPoint. We went through some of the major steps, go forth and execute. I mean, you'll, you'll get results. They probably just won't be the ones that you're looking for. All right. All right. 
perfect. So once we've actually built these things, we've built them in a way where we're not a prisoner. How do we evolve them then? Like, because as we learn more, we might get a little bit more prescriptive or we might back off on certain areas. So how do we, how do we evolve these things so we don't continue or we don't start becoming a prisoner of our own processes? Yeah, I think that's where your, uh, your, your auditing of the process will, will pay dividends because you're going to see where maybe some of the inefficiencies are, uh, especially if you've got like KPIs, right. Uh, or just general metrics tied to some of these key steps. You may see, hey, we're not getting the output that we expected in like schedule compliance. Oh, it's because people aren't closing out the work orders within this certain amount of time before we take the the report snapshot. So now here's an opportunity to go back and maybe get a little more prescriptive on that one step of the process to say, well, thou shalt close these within X amount of time. And here's why, right? It messes up our reports and then we don't get good data. So I I think you, you nailed it with, some steps within your process might be very prescriptive. I mean, this field in your CMMS, you are going to use it. It is a dropdown and you're going to select something from that. It's a required field. You have to do it. So that would be where it would be very prescriptive. Whereas some of the other steps may be more like using your best judgment, uh, fill up the schedule as best you can based on next week's production, right? There's no perfect way to do that. It's always going to be evolving and we would use schedule compliance and, uh, and the scheduling meetings with our, our operations partners to sort of refine our, uh, our ability to execute that process over time. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, one of the words that stuck with me in a long time was I was with an organization and we were going under an ISO certification. I think it was FSC 22000 for food safety. And the one thing the individual said to me is, be careful what you are what you put into the process because you will be held account to what you put in there. So he goes, there's certain times where you want to be vague and vague is good. He goes, there's other times you want to be very prescriptive, but whatever you put in there, you better do it. And I think that's, that stuck with me because yeah, there are times I want to make sure people do something very specifically, but if there's not a need to do that, let's give them some flexibility to use their experience and their knowledge to execute and get the best results for us. Yep, absolutely. You've got to give some leeway on some of these steps to uh, allow them. And, and, and you know what? Somebody might be really super efficient because their method is just kind of superior to everyone else's on how they execute that step. Well, then great. Let's take that, what they're doing, that lesson learned, and either train others or make it you know, a refinement to the process to make that step faster, better, more consistent, You know, whatever that is. So yeah, it, it, it's very easy to, like I said, kind of corner yourself in by putting too much detail into these things. And like I said, with ISO, right? It's like, well, be careful what you write down because that's what you're going to be held to. So it, it, it's a balance. And you know, unless you're landing a plane or launching something into space or uh, you know, starting up a reactor, there's some, uh, there's some leeway in a lot of these steps and how they get executed. Absolutely. And, you know, I think with some of our clients, I know I've heard it said, and I've said it myself is we're not building a nuclear reactor here. We're putting whatever into a bottle or create, making whatever widget, right? Good is good enough. Let's go for this. Let's try it. Let's, let's get the feedback. Let's see where the gaps are. And then we'll go back to the process and refine it, refine the training, 
whatever whatever it is but yeah you you can just get caught in analysis paralysis absolutely so if you could give our listeners one thing about how to prevent becoming a prisoner of their own process what would it be um if you hear what if more than once then probably stop um, I would lo- also look at the revisions. You know, you, you talked about, hey, four weeks later, we're still working on the same process map because we're, we're not happy with it. I would challenge the group with, well, how much has changed between week, the week one version and the week four version? And if the answer is at, the, at its core of what it delivers, not much, then you're, you're definitely done. Um, or if it's like, well, you've managed to somehow create 42 infinite loops within that process between, you know, week one being the simplistic version and week four having all these, you know, crazy loops within it, then obviously you've overcomplicated it. So I would look at how much is, you know, actually changed over those arguments and then maybe back it up a few steps to, to something that's, you know, simpler to execute on. All right. Excellent. Some great words of wisdom there. I like it. Did we change the core deliverable of it? Or did we just make it more complicated? You know, I think that's a pretty simple test and advice for individuals out there. All right, Brandon, is there anything else about a prisoner of your own process that we didn't cover that you want to make sure you touch on? No, I, I mean, I think that, that, and obviously we're speaking in generalities because each, each one's going to be a unique beast, right? But um, I think focus on, you know, putting the detail in the steps where it really matters because there's, specific outcome that has to be a certain way and the other ones leave a a little more vague and then come back and if you need to refine them later you know you can do it later all right excellent well brandon thank you for taking the time to talk to me about this today i know it's something that we see at a lot of clients and we're trying to you know help them work through this so hopefully this will give them some insights or even those that are doing it on their own you know give them some insights to how to avoid becoming a prisoner of their own process so Friday afternoon. Thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Yeah, thanks, James. Appreciate it. I would like to thank you for listening and remind you that you can always find out more on maintenance, reliability, and asset management at www.iridicio.com and by following our blog. The Rooted in Reliability podcast is a proud member of the Reliability.fm network. I'd like to ask you to please rate and review this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher. It ensures the podcast stays relevant and is easy to find by like-minded professionals. It is only with your ratings and reviews that the Rooted in Reliability podcast can continue to grow. I thank you for providing this small but critical support. We'll see you next week when we dive into another burning topic with Rooted in Reliability, your plant performance podcast.